A little over a year ago, President Trump sat down for an interview with Leslie Stahl in which he complained that the Democrats and the deep state spied on his presidential campaign. And Leslie Stahl was having none of it. She pushed back. She dismissed the claims. She said the charge was baseless. So the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Well, there's Leslie. no e- real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes, and we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on you. things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify. It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign, they got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. No, 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 la, 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 no, this is 60 Minutes, this is totally crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. How dare you make such a, whoops, whoops, here it is. Turns out he was totally right. Totally, 100% right. As of... Just a few days ago, we now have firm proof that not only did Hillary Clinton affiliates spy on Donald Trump when he was a candidate, but they even went so far as to spy on him when he was president, all in a desperate effort to frame him for colluding with the Russians, something Democrats have been doing for 100 years. According to special counsel John Durham's latest DOJ report, quote, The government's evidence at trial will also establish that among the internet data tech executive one and his associates, uh, exploited was domain name system internet traffic pertaining to one, a particular healthcare provider, two, Trump Tower, three, Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building, and four, the executive office of the president of the United States. Trump reacted to the news in exactly the way you would expect, saying, quote, this is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate, and those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. In a stronger period of time in our country, this crime would have been punishable by death. (laughs) Classic Trump pushing the window of acceptable speech rightward, getting people to accept prosecution as the moderate position with execution as the further right solution. And by the way, he's right on that front too. Espionage can be a capital offense and spying on the sitting president is about as serious as it gets. So we now know that the Democrats themselves did basically everything they accused Trump of doing. We know that Trump has been proven right on some of his wildest claims, sitting there with Leslie Stahl. Oh no, this is crazy. It's a conspiracy theory. Some of his wildest claims, completely correct. Who knows how many more wild claims he will be vindicated on, especially now that we know the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about six to 18 months. We know this is one of the most egregious abuses of power in U.S. history. And we know that not only are the Democrats not the responsible and patriotic adults in the room that they've made themselves out to be, but their behavior is somehow even more depraved than their most trenchant critics thought. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show.
Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment Friday is from Batman for president who says, Jimmy Carter, I'm the worst president in American history. Joe Biden, hold my crack pipe. Uh, I mean, smoking kits. That's true. It's true. We're all, we all have to hold that crack pipe now. That is, that is what the administration is offering us. Not great. It's not something of great value to hold on to. Unlike say, I don't know, gold. When you want to invest in gold, I would strongly recommend you check out Birch Gold. 40 years ago, Ronald Reagan saw massive inflation, unlike anything the country had ever seen before until today. In Reagan's own words, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Right now, your retirement accounts are under attack thanks to the inflationary policies of this administration. If you have not yet called Birch Gold to the only people that I would trust to help you diversify your 401ks and IRAs into gold, then you are missing the boat. Actually, you're treading water without a life vest. Birch Gold has your life vest. Let them help you convert an IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your savings. Right now, text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898. You will get a free info kit on gold. Reagan knew the biggest threat to our wealth. Protect yours now. Here's what you do. You pull out that phone. You say 2989898 and you text the word Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get your free info kit now. Not only was Trump right about the spying, he didn't go far enough. The reality was actually even more depraved than what Donald Trump accused his opponents of engaging in. You want to talk about depravity. I, it's Valentine's Day, so I was hoping we could talk about sort of higher romantic notions of love, mature, deep, rightly ordered notions of love. But we've got to talk about Joe Biden's new energy official who is in charge of nuclear waste in America. You want to talk about, people aren't talking about, and I feel like we should all be talking about the leather daddy dog fetishist that Joe Biden just put in charge of America's nuclear waste. The man's, I don't even want to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him personally, except I guess I wouldn't be embarrassing him personally. You know, I, I, I wouldn't want to reveal someone's personal sins needlessly. That's not something I want to do. But in this case, it's not a personal sin. It's a very public, very creepy scandal for someone who is not in any way shy about this kind of behavior, who is now in a fairly powerful position in the U.S. government. So I guess I'll say his name. His name is Sam Brinton. He is the new Deputy Assistant Secretary of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition at the Office of Nuclear Energy at the DOE. So this is a pretty serious position. And, and Sam Brinton identifies as a, and this is in his own public biography, as a non-binary man who is, who engages in something called puppy play, where, which I, I guess is sexual. I, I guess it's sexual, but I don't, it's sexual in a very strange, like, it, he has men who pretend to be dogs and he pretends to be their owner. And then for much of the, this, activity. They're not, it's all sexual, but it's not like explicitly sexual until, until it is. It's really weird. I've, I've, we've sometimes talked about this. People write into this show a lot 
and say, you know, I, I look at porn and I don't want to look at porn, but I'm really addicted to this stuff. And, and one of the things that happens is that you, you know, you look at, it's just like naked ladies on the internet. And by the end, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, two chickens doing calculus and somehow that's sexual, but you don't really know how that's sexual, but it, but it is, it's still part. So that's, that's basically what this guy is into. And he brags about this. He gives classes on this sort of thing, on all various uh, fetishes and kinks and strange behaviors. He gave an interview to the student newspaper at uh, RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, where uh, Brinton, this is according to the newspaper, quote, throughout the entire talk, Brinton was open about his experiences, the kinks he partakes in, and the nature of his relationships. He left us with countless anecdotes, like how he enjoys tying up his significant other like a table and eating his dinner on him while he watches Star Trek. Me, I like brunettes. You know, that's kind of one of, and, and this guy likes to tie up his sexual partners like they're a table and eat sushi off of them while he watches science fiction. In, in the old days, this guy would have been a huge blackmail risk because he has all these weird sexual behaviors that he's indulging all the time and people would find out about it and then they could blackmail him. Now he's not really, he's not really a blackmail risk because it's all public. So there's nothing to blackmail, but that is really, really degraded. It's really, no one, no, if this man were your father, I don't think that, or you're your grandfather, I don't think somebody would say, you know, you know, my grandfather, I so admire him. He fought in World War II, that's right. And my grandfather, he worked at the coal mines and it was tough work, but he earned a living for our family and he put his sons through school. And, and then here I am today, his grandson. They say, oh, wow, Michael, that's really interesting. Yeah, my grandfather liked to dress up in leather and whip other extremely perverted men who dressed up like doggies and feed them a bowl of water. Yeah, so our, you know, our grandfathers, aren't we so proud of them? grandfathers, right? Aren't they? They're people to look up to. No, you would be extremely embarrassed and ashamed of this because it's very shameful behavior. <laughs> and it's not in any way dignified. And previous, I'm not even saying, I'm not even saying that this guy is so bad because he's got some disordered sexual desires. It's a fallen world. Lots and lots of people have disordered sexual desires. I'm not, but in a normal, healthy society, the, right, the thing that you would do is repress those desires because they are shameful. <laughs> to, to quote Norm MacDonald, one of the great ethicists and moral philosophers of our age, sex is a filthy, shameful thing that is obviously only meant for procreation. Okay, and this is not, when, you, when you just spend your time indulging in fantasies and childish delusions, that's, that's not a distinguished life. Okay. That's not something to write home about. There was, there was a poet, a sort of modern poet who said the thing about sin, even beyond how bad it is and it, you know, it harms people and harms yourself is just such a waste of time. But that's what we're living in today. We're living in an age where adults, fully grown adults will spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks dressing up in costumes and playing pretend and doing all sorts of weird, creepy sex stuff. That is childish behavior for a childish society that would appear to be past its prime. You know what's not past its prime though? The Jordan Harbinger Show. Do you want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that is entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Of course you do. Well, it's about time you check out The Jordan Harbinger Show, a top shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. 
Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes to authors to scientists to mobsters to spies. He's had a lot of great guests, including Kobe Bryant. Without fail, he pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode, all with the noble cause of making you a more informed, critical thinker to better operate in today's world. He's also got this terrific segment, Feedback Friday, where Jordan covers advice on everything from psycho-family situations to relationships to networking. He gives great advice. I always really, really enjoy his show. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R as in really. Do it right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I did not watch a single second of the Super Bowl yesterday. I don't care about football. I really don't care about football ever since they totally caved to BLM and disrespected our country. It's not my thing. I I used to enjoy gambling on the Super Bowl. At least being in a pool was kind of fun. But now the NFL doesn't like our country. I don't like the NFL. Simple as that. I did, however, catch clips of the advertisements and the halftime show afterwards. And all that, that they were selling, the most prominent ads and the halftime show, obviously, all it was selling was nostalgia. Oh, do you remember when you were a kid? Oh, do you remember when everything was just about indulging your own desires and delusions and fantasies? Kind of like this kid working, that's kid, he's a fully grown adult, working at the, the Biden Department of Energy who pretends that he is a a doggy, or he pretends that his sexual partners are doggies, and it's really creepy and weird, and none of this should be encouraged publicly. But it's the same old, it's just indulging in childish delusions. And what the Super Bowl was selling was all nostalgia. Nostalgia is history after a few drinks, okay? Nostalgia is all the happy moments that we remember or imagine, and none of the tough moments, and none of the things we've overcome to become the adults that we are today. The creepiest ad of the entire Super Bowl came from Facebook, which has now renamed itself Meta because it's trying to expand beyond, beyond just a regular old social network where you can like people's photos and catch up with old friends. They want to expand into a whole universe, the metaverse, where you put on your gut, you sit in your apartment alone, you put on your goggles and you enter into Candyland where you can do whatever you want. You can fly around. You're not allowed to grope people anymore. That was a problem in the beta testing, but they've gotten rid of that. So if you want to do that, you got to go to the weird doggy dungeon with the Department of Energy guy. But when you're in the metaverse, you can just relive your past as though time has never moved on. So here you see there's the like little stuffed animals playing old timey songs. And then time moved on. The diner is closed. The stuffed animal musicians go to a pawn shop. Grow up now. They've got. They've been discarded. It's not fun anymore. A little long in the tooth. It was just in a museum. This had so much more boring than their fun youth. They were all playing those old songs from the 80s. Oh, but now they're in the magical metaverse world. They put the goggles on, and no one has gotten any older. Everyone's the same young age they were in the 80s. And the diner, well, diner doesn't exist anymore, but in this imaginary world, the diner does exist. MetaQuest 2. Go back and be a child. Here's my 
public service announcement for anybody who is tempted to, to indulge this kind of stuff. Grow up, grow up, stop being a child and be an adult and accept responsibility and stop being so freaking selfish and immature. Oh my gosh, people, people, this is so true. It's so, it's clearest on the weird sex stuff, like the weird guy playing around and pretending he's a dog at the Department of Energy, but it's just, it's true in our whole culture. The fact that now 20-year-old college students say they need a safe space with crayons and puppies. It's the same, it's the same problem. The fact that now you have employees at major companies who say they need space to cry. They need crying rooms. They do. They, they, they say this in, at law school, Georgetown Law School, the dean of the law school said to what, 25, 26, 30-year-old students, you need, you need space to cry if your feelings are hurt. This is the the same thing you're seeing with people refusing to get married. Among millennials and especially Gen Z, they're still slightly young for this, but you're starting to see some of the data. No one wants to get married. And with the millennials, they're now old, even though they all pretend they're still 17 years old, but they're older and they they still won't get married. And I'm not saying you have to get married. Marriage isn't for everybody, but they're not not consecrating themselves to religious life. They're They're not moving forward. They're just remaining in a perpetual adolescence. That meta ad, it was fine. It was a well-produced ad, but frankly, I prefer the original version of that ad. I won't grow up. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. Just to learn to be a parrot. Just to learn to be a parrot. And recite a silly rule. And recite a silly rule. If growing up means it would be beneath my dignity to climb a tree, I'll never grow up. Never grow up. Never grow up. Not me. Not me. That's the, that's the song of the millennial generation. It, I'm a millennial, but it, that's, the, that's what we all sing. I won't grow up. Uh, even this phrase, you know, millennials use this phrase adulting the first time they pay taxes or whatever. They say, I'm boy, I'm adulting. Yeah, you're 40. I hope you're adulting. The people who, who refuse to move out of their parents' home, not because even they have particularly close relationships to their parents, just because they don't want to pay bills. <laughs> they don't want to go move on. They say, well, I can save money. Yeah, because you're not paying your bills because you're not acting like an adult. You should act like, this is my PSA. It's, it's, I'm not, I don't want to be overly harsh here. I don't want to harsh anyone's mellow, but you need to grow up because if you don't grow up, you're going to end up as a 35-year-old puppy fetishist, okay? You are, you are. Because, because if you think that it's okay in your adulthood, during a time when you should be maturing and taking on responsibilities and contributing to your country and leaving your kids who hopefully you're, some, some of us are having kids, I hope. I hope some people in this generation are. The country is just going to completely collapse. But hopefully you're leaving them a better country than you had. Hopefully you're, you got to enjoy a nice little childhood. Now you're going to give back. But if you are living under the delusion that it's okay just to indulge whatever fantasies and whatever delusions and whatever weird desires that you have, then you're going to end up dancing around in weird costumes, pretending that you're six years old, except creepier because it involves sex stuff. When you're in your thirties or forties, don't do that. It's weird. It's degraded. It's embarrassing. Don't, you can't go back. You can't go back to Never Neverland. Okay. Don't go. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You can't go to the hundred acre wood. All right. It's over. Uh, You know, do you know that song uh, back in Pooh Corner? Uh, 
Can't help me if you can. I want to go back. Kenny Loggins, right? This song is about, he's graduating high school and he says, I want to go back to my childhood, but I know I can't. It's not possible. So that's the way it goes. Well, when he rewrote the song later on in life, he said he got to go back to Pooh Corner. He got to go back to his childhood by participating in his own children's childhood. So now he's in a different role. Okay. It's not that you can never have these similar joys or imagination, or but you have to do it in the, the role that is appropriate to you. And that is not in leather smacking around grown men who are barking. If you won't grow up, you can't be free. That's the, if you won't mature and grow and be educated, then you can't be a free person. All right. And, and that's what the ruling class is banking on. The liberal establishment is consistently undermining our freedoms, our political freedoms to make our own choices about how we want to live and to set our own standards. For sure, they're undermining that. And they're, they're often doing it in the name of individual freedoms. Well, the people of Tennessee can't pass a law outlawing the weird, creepy, leather daddy puppy stuff because, you know, that would undermine the natural right that people have to act like weirdos. No, you don't have that right. But, but by the way, the, the ruling class is taking away your individual freedoms too. Joe Biden j- just laughed at the very notion of individual freedom. You were interviewed a year ago about the Super Bowl and you expressed hope that come this year that they'd be able to fill the stands again with people. And that apparently is going to be the case. However, Many of those people won't be wearing masks, despite the, the local law in Los Angeles. What is your message to people who want desperately for this to be over and to be able to resume the lives that they remember? Well, look, um, I love how people talk about personal freedom. If you're exercising personal freedom, freedom put someone else in jeopardy, their health in jeopardy. I don't consider that being very... Damn it, freedom. <laughs> I love how people, you, if you were scripting this in some science fiction movie, you were writing Star Wars Port 75, you would have the bad guy sound like this and have that voice and say these things. <laughs> your, your personal freedom. <laughs> oh, and I hear about your personal freedom. They don't like it. They don't like it. The Democrats never liked it. I know that some people are going to respond and say, but, but I thought the liberals were all for personal freedom. I thought the Democrats were all the party of personal freedom. No, they never were. They never were. That was always an instrument to control people. Oh yeah, you've got the freedom to search for whatever you want on the internet, but we're going to be spying on you and we're going to see all that data and we're going to use it to try to undermine you. Oh yeah, you're free to do whatever creepy stuff you want to do on your own. Oh yeah, you're free to do, you're free to indulge all of your basest appetites and then become slaves to those appetites. Yeah, you're free to smoke crack. Here, we're even going to send you a crack pipe. But then that'll make you a free person, right? No, it'll make you completely incapable of self-government, which is exactly what they want. You know, the opening weekend of our first original production shut-in was a huge success. Not only did our premiere reach over half a million views, but the reviews are in. And Shut In has a critic score. This is genuinely astounding to me. It's got a critic score of 100%. I figure, I, look, I, I think the movie's terrific, but I figured that the lib critics would get in there and really be able to bring that down. They haven't. Critic score is extremely high, perfect score. The audience score is 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb is giving it 8 out of 10. I think the libs probably got in there a little bit. Uh, Making a good film is not easy, but we did it. That's why if you missed it, I am telling you, you got to head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe 
Get a membership today. The film is now exclusively streaming for Daily Wire members. If you are not one, you're missing out. We also released a new trailer for Hyperions, the new anti-superhero movie starring Carrie Elwes. I don't know how to pronounce his name exactly, but you know, he's the guy from Princess Bride. It's pretty cool. It uh, comes out in a few weeks. And also the trailer for Terror on the Prairie, which is our new Western starring the amazing, uncancelable Gina Carano coming this summer. Uh, this is great entertainment is all thanks to our Daily Wire members. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe so you can watch Shut In, Hyperions, and Gina's new movie, coming out this summer. We'll be right back with a lot more. Democrats are beginning to lift the mask mandates, not because the public health officials have observed that the masks are mostly useless. They've been doing that since the beginning. Fauci admitted they don't do very much. Sometimes they hurt during an epidemic, but Democrats still pushed for it. Uh, uh, the CNN medical expert, Leanna Wu, said weeks ago that the cloth masks are nothing more than facial decorations. Still, the Democrats kept up on the face masks. But now they're getting their poll numbers, and the poll numbers on these mask mandates are really, really bad. And the Democrats are looking like they're going to get clobbered in November. So all of a sudden, Democrat governors are saying, no, we're not the party of mask mandates. No, we, no, we hate mask mandates. We're actually, we're going to get rid of the mask mandates because of how successful our policies have been. And the, the only problem with this pivot, with this strategy, is that Joe Biden is He's lost a few steps. He's not really with it. He's not keeping up with the new talking points. And so Joe Biden goes on Lester Holt's show on NBC, and he's still pushing the old talking points. He's saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. I still like the mask mandates. Are you afraid, though, that some states and, and cities are moving too quickly to loosen indoor mask mandates? Well, you know, it's uh, I've... I committed that I would follow the science, the science as put forward by the CDC and the, and the, and the federal people. And uh, I think it's probably premature, but it's, you know, it's, it's a tough call. It's probably premature. I followed, I followed the science. Now, he doesn't follow the science. The, the science is not to be followed, but he's, not, he's clearly not following it anyway, because now all of those hacks in the public health bureaucracy are saying, okay, yeah, you can move on, you can move on, because they're basically indistinguishable from the Democrat politicians and from the liberal media. They're all working in concert together. Joe Biden just hasn't caught up to the latest political talking points, which is, be it's a beautiful thing, because he's not going to let the Democrats get away with their, their attempted deception. They're trying to pretend that they are not now and really never were the party that wanted mask mandates. They grudgingly accepted them, but they never wanted them. And Biden is saying, no, we do. We do. Don't get rid of the mask mandates. That's a Republican thing. The Republic, he's really giving you a choice. He's saying the Republicans don't want the mask mandates. The Democrats do. Good. I hope that's on the ballot in November. We're going to take every single seat. It's not, this is not the only place where Democrats are undermining their own message for two, three years now. What has been one of the most prominent animating principles of the Democratic Party, including especially the BLM riots and all the criminal justice reform of recent years? It's been abolish the police, defund the police, abolish prisons. You remember that? We've heard this ad nauseum for years now. And then the Democrats got their poll numbers back 
And it turns out abolish the police is not all that popular during a crime wave in a midterm election year. And so Nancy Pelosi goes on ABC News. She tries to use all of her Jedi mind tricks. She says, no, no, we don't, we don't want to defund the police. These are not the droids that you're looking for. And because the Democrats control the media, she thinks it's going to be very effective. The other thing that's weighing on people right now is rising crime. Uh, and there appear to be some divisions among Democrats about how to handle it. Your colleague, Karen Bass, running for mayor of Los Angeles, is trying to increase the police force yes. in L.A. Cori Bush, congresswoman from Missouri, is saying it's time to defund the police. She's sticking by that. You're the speaker. How do you think Democrats should address rising crime? Well, with all the respect in the world for Cori Bush, that is not the position of the Democratic Party. Community safety to protect and defend in every way is our oath of office. And I have sympathy, I con- we're all concerned about mistreatment of people and that's why uh, Karen Bass had the Justice and Policing Act and we would hope to get some of that done, whether it's no knock or Joe Colt or some of those issues, even if we can't get it all done. But, the f- but make no mistake, community safety is our responsibility. Nice try, Nancy, but I don't think you're really persuading me. Notice she gets tripped up on her words. She goes, look, we're all, we're all really sympathetic to defund the police. Uh, I mean, no, we're all, we're not, oh, gosh, we are really sympathetic and we've all been pushing this thing for a long time, but uh, no, but, and then the way that George Stephanopoulos frames it is he says, look, you got Cori Bush on one hand, who is still pushing to abolish the police, defund the police. But then you've got Karen Bass on the other hand. Karen Bass, who's a Democrat congressman, she's a communist. She's like an actual communist who was a member for a long time of actual communist organizations. And Karen Bass is now running for mayor of LA. Karen Bass wants to increase police funding. Uh, Does she? I I don't buy that for one second. And Nancy Pelosi apparently doesn't either because she points out that Karen Bass has previously supported soft on crime bills to make it harder to prosecute criminals, to make it harder to arrest criminals. So the, the two polls here, the pro-crime and, and the weak on crime Democrats, they're both extremely weak on crime. They both wanted to defund the police. They both wanted to make it harder to arrest people. And Nancy Pelosi went along with this for a long time. And, and so did other very prominent Democrats. AOC, what did she say? She said, Defund the police means defund the police. Abolish the police means abolish the police. It doesn't mean move a little funding around here or there. It means get rid of that funding. Rashida Tlaib, the George Harrison of the squad. You've got AOC is Paul McCartney. She's the most mainstream. Ilhan Omar is a little more radical. She's John Lennon. Ayanna Presley, everyone forgets about. She's Ringo. So you got Rashida, who is George Harrison. And Rashida Tlaib comes out in an interview with Axios just a few months ago and said, yes, I want to abolish all prisons. And the, the reporter couldn't, he said, well, you want, you want to abolish all federal prisons? You want to let all murderers, rapists, serial killers out? And she said, well, uh, uh, basically, humana, 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 yes. Yes, I do. And they know that this is destroying their poll numbers, and so they're trying to run away from it. And Nancy Pelosi is saying, don't believe you're lying on She says, it's not the position of the Democrat Party. Well, I don't know, darling, when it's the position of a huge number of very prominent congressmen, when it's the position of major Democrat mayors and governors all around the country, then I think it is the position of the party. And you're going to try to lie through your teeth and just hope that people aren't paying attention in an election year. But I think the people probably know better. They're, they're flipping on all their policies now because of how unpopular they are. 
Beto O'Rourke, he's my favorite one. He's running for office for, I think, the 75th time in 18 months. He's, remember, he, he ran for president. He ran for Senate, lost, ran for president, lost. Now he's running for governor of Texas. He's probably going to lose. Beto O'Rourke, what did he say a few years ago? It's very clear. They said, are you going to try to take away people's AR-15s? And he said, hell, hell yes, I'm going to take your guns. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. I'm not interested in taking anything from anyone. What I want to make sure that we do is defend the Second Amendment. I want to make sure that we protect our fellow Texans far better than we're doing right now and that we listen to law enforcement. Hmm. Is that the same? Is that the same guy? He went, so 2019, you say, hell yes, I'm taking your guns. Then 2022, he says, we're not taking guns from anybody. I want to, I want to defend the second amendment. I'm a pro second amendment guy because now I'm running for governor of Texas, not the Democrat nomination for president. I'm pro. Okay. So listen, maybe he changed his mind. People can grow. People can change. People can mature. They don't usually do that these days, but maybe they can, except that just just one year ago, back in, not even one year, even less than one year ago, in, in just a few months ago, Beto O'Rourke was saying that he stood by his call to take away people's guns. Look, we, we are a state that has a long, proud tradition of responsible gun ownership. And most of us here in Texas do, want, do not want to see our friends, our family members, our neighbors shot up with these weapons of war. So yes, I still hold this view. Yes, yes, I still hold this view. Hell yes, we're going to take away your AR-15s. And he's trying to have it both ways. So he he started the shift it back in November. So he said, I love the Second Amendment. I just hate the most popular gun in America. So yeah, we're going to defend your abstract Second Amendment right in principle. But in practice, we're going to take away the most popular basic gun in America. So the issue here is not that he changed his views. I'm happy when politicians flip-flop from the wrong side of an issue to the right side of an issue. I'm basically pretty happy about that. The issue here is that Beto is obviously insincere. And if he somehow became governor of Texas, he would obviously push for strong gun-grabbing legislation. And I think the people see through that, especially with him. I mean, he's just such a joke. He, he, that guy, you know, he can go back to skateboarding around the Whataburger. He does not, he, he looks like a child. He looks, <laughs> gets back to what we were talking about at the top of the show. Gets back to people wanting to go back to their nightclub in the 1980s. People wanting to go back to childhood and play around and pretend they're puppies, except in a much, much creepier way. I hope, than they did when they were kids. It goes back to that nostalgia. Um, I, I won't grow up, I won't grow up. That P- P- Beto O'Rourke is the Never Never Land candidate. Running for, running for governor of Never Never Land. Texas ain't Never Never Land, at least not now, at least I hope. People want politicians who will toughen up on criminals and not toughen up on law-abiding citizens. What the Democrats have been offering especially in this gun issue, is we're going to go really hard after law-abiding gun owners, and we're going to let criminals who are using illegal guns out of prison. And then we're going to abolish prisons altogether. That seems backwards, doesn't it? Which is why Republicans have just introduced, I would say, my favorite law ever. Well, that's not true. My favorite bill that has been introduced in Congress recently 
is the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge, which was just introduced as a House resolution by Representative Paul Gosar. It's a pledge to investigate, subpoena and investigate, and then defund Dr. Fauci. It's a great pledge. Your congressmen, your senators can sign on right now as co-sponsors. Tell them to, write them, tag them, say sign on to the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge, sign on to Paul Gosar's pledge that he's put into Congress, and make sure that we get rid of Fauci. That's a little bit of a sidebar. But other than the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge, my, my favorite bill that has been introduced into Congress, possibly ever, is a bill to ban the government from paying for crack pipes for drug addicts. The bill is called the Halting the Use, see if you can follow this one, Halting the Use of Narcotics Through Effective Recovery Act of 2022 also known as the Hunter Act, to ban crack pipes. Really, really great stuff. Politicians love a good acronym. This one, as good as they get, absolutely hilarious, but also a good law. Also a good law. The Democrat theory of justice that is very prominent today, not not just among the Democrat party proper, but among the whole American left, which now controls all the institutions, is that the way to have a good society is to let people do whatever they want. To let people, that's not true. You're not, you're not really allowed to start businesses. You're not really allowed to go to church. You're not allowed to walk around without a mask. You're not allowed to avoid getting 17 jabs of an experimental drug. So, so it's not that you're allowed to do absolutely whatever you want. I guess the theory on the left and among Democrats is that you have some kind of right to engage in any destructive behaviors that you want whether they're destructive on drugs, whether they're destructive on weird sex stuff, whether they're destructive on, on, even in your local community, looting, going and stealing Nike shoes, not prosecuting a lot of these crimes. They're, they're all for that. The Democrats think that's how you're going to have a flourishing society. The Never Never Land Party. Imagine if kids were allowed to do that. Kids are not allowed to do that. Kids are, are told, don't do the bad thing, naughty, naughty, do the good thing, good job, good job, little boy. And then you grow up and then hopefully you can govern yourself. But something about this generation, or a lot of recent generations, they never learned that. They never agreed to grow up. And if we want to hold on to whatever tenuous little thread of a country that we have left, we're going to need to grow up and we're going to need to say, no, don't smoke crack. No, we're not, we can't mail out people crack pipes. We've got to say, no, naughty, naughty crackhead. Don't smoke that crack. Don't, no, don't dress up like a puppy and prance around and then take over America's nuclear waste. No, you got to grow up. You got, I hate to be the bad guy. I don't want to sound like, I don't want to sound like mean old daddy here, but not daddy like in the sense of what the puppy guy is, would say daddy. I'm talking about like actual, like father knows best. There is such a thing as reason and moral conscience and justice and virtue. And you got to pursue that if you want to have a real society. Speaking of Republican legislators, Republican legislators are weighing in now on an important international issue. I'm not talking about Ukraine, which is an extremely overhyped issue. I'm not talking about other places where the State Department wants to go intervene around the world. I'm talking about the one international issue that the liberal establishment, the ruling class doesn't want to talk about at all. I'm talking about that international issue going on up in America's hat. I'm talking about the most important worker protest 
of not just our lifetimes, probably the most important worker protest of the last hundred years. I'm talking about the Canadian truckers. Senator Rand Paul, very libertarian, defender of individual liberty, unsurprisingly. Now, it's funny because Rand Paul being extremely libertarian, he doesn't like to get involved in foreign countries and he's, he always votes against sanctions. He always votes against foreign intervention. But in this case, he is speaking out and he's saying those Canadian truckers are, are doing great work and they're standing up for liberty. I'm all for it. Civil disobedience. Civil disobedience is a time-honored tradition in our country, from slavery to civil rights to you name it. Peaceful protest, clog things up, make people think about the mandates. So he's saying this is great stuff. This is civil disobedience. And some people on the left and in the center are accusing Rand Paul and other conservatives who really like the, the Canadian trucker protest they're saying honk, 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 and they're, they're sending their support. They're accusing us of hypocrisy because they're saying, hold on a second. Hold on a second, you hypocrites. Back a, a year or two ago during the BLM riots, you were against those. You were against that sort of civil disobedience. Kind of pretty uncivil disobedience, by the way, when you're throwing Molotov cocktails at federal buildings and eluding Nike sneakers. But regard, let's even grant the premise. You were against BLM taking to the streets, but you're for the Canadian truckers. There's a guy, he, he writes for a, a libertarian magazine. Not, I don't even want to use that term libertarian because libertarianism has a sort of strain of a serious tradition. And a lot of the people today who call themselves libertarians are just not that. They call them lolbertarians sometimes because they're really incoherent and really kind of squishy. So I, I do want to make that distinction. Uh, but anyway, this, he's a nice guy. I don't want to go after him personally, but, but he made a really dumb point which is he tweeted out, quote, from conservatives cheering for an economically crippling worker-led blockade to liberals essentially plagiarizing Tom Cotton's send in the troops op-ed, the trucker protests are turning basically everyone into hypocrites. And it is hilarious. The conservatives say, it's beautiful to see people fighting injustice and standing up against mistreatment. And if they disrupt the economy and occupy public roads, so be it. The liberals are saying, arrest them, jail the dissenters, blow up the trucks, could not have scripted this better. You can retort, now do BLM at both groups, and it works. Amazing. And then he goes on to conclude, I think all the mandates should end and the truckers should disperse. In the previous scenario, I thought we should end no-knock raids and also people should stop rioting. See, I'm a good one. I'm one of the good ones. I'm, listen, I'm much smarter than all of the conservatives talking about the vaccine mandates, and I'm much smarter than all of the liberals talking about abolish the police. I'm there. You're just hypocrites because if you, if you support BLM, then you should support the truckers and vice versa. If you support the truckers, then you should support the violent mobs roving through the streets, right? Wrong. No. Do you know what I find hilarious? I don't find this hilarious. I don't think it's hypocritical at all. What I find hilarious is that some people are only now figuring out that politics is not merely about procedural norms, but also about substantive ends. I'll bring that down to earth. What I mean is, yes, BLM and the Canadian truckers both protested. That's true. They were both protesting. That's the procedural similarity. But they were protesting for very, very different things. BLM was protesting to abolish the police. 
BLM was protesting to let criminals run roughshod over our society. BLM was protesting to make it harder to arrest criminals. The Canadian truckers are protesting because they don't want to be forced to take an experimental drug with noted recorded side effects to maybe sort of, but probably not protect against a virus that doesn't pose a grave threat to most people. Those are different things. And it ma- this is, I, I sometimes hear this whenever you talk about religion and politics, which you inevitably have to do because all politics ultimately comes back to religion, whether you want to admit it or not all politics comes back to these moral questions. Sometimes they'll say, wait a second, Michael, hold on. If you, if you apply religious and moral thinking to, to politics, if you apply your Christian worldview to politics, well, you're no different than ISIS because ISIS also applies their religious worldview to politics. So yeah, that's, yes, that's true. Now let's go a step further. It's right. You're, you're right. All people have some kind of religion. Even if you think you don't have a religion, you do have a religion. You talk about things like human rights and free will and the relationship of man to the state. You always have some kind of religious view. Yeah, so people talk about religion, but the religions are different. (laughs) They're different. They have different views of the world and they have different implications for politics and society. Yeah, you're right. And Christianity and Islam are different. And Christianity and Islam and leftism are very, very different. And it matters. The substance matters too. This is so hilarious that some people would support the truckers, but not BLM. No, it's, it's just to be expected because those are different groups with different aims, with different views of society. That's why it's perfectly ordinary and normal to support one and not the others. It's very, don't, it's a very shallow view of politics, my friends. And it's not, you are seeing a kind of shifting of some political alliances. Right now, for instance, you're seeing the liberal establishment really push for war in Ukraine. But it's not just conservatives pushing for war in U- or pushing against the war in Ukraine. It's, it's some liberal media figures too. Jake Tapper was just pushing back on the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. You've been warning about the Russians using a false flag operation to justify invading Ukraine. That, that's a strong claim to make without presenting a shred of evidence. Is there anything more you can tell the public, a public that might be justifiably rather skeptical of claims about intelligence. Well, let me make three points on this. First, we're not putting forward this intelligence to start a war, which has happened in the past, Jake. We are putting forward this intelligence to stop a war. And I think that fundamentally gives it, at the outset, a different level of credibility. Okay, we've, we've seen them do this before, okay. and But Jake Tapper's just sitting there, he's saying, what evidence do you have? You're not presenting any evidence. So who knows? Maybe Putin invades Ukraine. Maybe he doesn't. All, but that's sort of beside the point. The issue is that the deep state has lost all credibility. That's why people don't believe the State Department briefings. That's why people don't believe when the Pentagon says, we got to go in there, we got to send in the troops. Is because they've lied. They've bungled a whole lot of foreign interventions and they've lied. And now it's just a, a group of, of puppy fetishists and domestic spies who are undermining the sitting president. That's not our fault. You guys squandered your credibility. That's why the, the people are making what might be a last stand at self-government. That's, that's what all of this political pushback is about whether, about, whether it's the Canadian truckers or whether it's what you're seeing going on ahead of the 2022 elections. What country are we going to be? Are we going to regress to perpetual childhood? I won't grow up. I won't grow up. Or are we going to decide to mature, grow up, and take back control of our country? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, the Super Bowl last night was one long parade of leftist hypocrisy. We'll count the ways today. Also, we'll review some of the weird and woke commercials that companies spent millions of dollars to air during the broadcast. Plus, Nancy Pelosi officially slams the door shut on the defund the police movement. And Joe Biden speaks out against racism in the NFL. At least I think that's what he was doing. It's hard to tell anymore. In our daily cancellation, we'll deal with the latest leftist innovation. It's called platonic conscious co-parenting. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show.